Hi, I'm Carolyn. Hi, I'm Jeremy, and we're licensed marriage and family therapists in California. And we've been friends for the past 20 years. For 10 of those years, we've been working as therapists with families, couples, and individuals. And one of us has been through a divorce, a remarriage, and a blended family. Welcome to Weenus, a relationship podcast. And welcome to the Weenus podcast. I am Jeremy, and I am here with... Hi, it's Carolyn. And we are ending the year of the apocalypse uh, 2020 <laughs> here. Uh, what a fun year it has been. But we've been building this podcast and we thank each one of you for your consistent listenership. I'm getting some really good feedback from people on uh, this podcast. So thank you to everybody who's listening. It sounds like it's having a positive effect on people and making people think of things in a different way. So yeah, yeah, I think that that's been, it's been really neat to hear from like friends and family um, who have been watching. And I think, um, you know, I, I'd really like to give a shout out uh, myself to, to Valerie, um, to Val, who's been giving me a lot of good feedback. I love, it's just really cool to hear that people are actually listening to this. Um, I know that we don't have a huge listenership, but, um, but that's, that some people, especially people, um, that are part of our family or friend circle that they would take the time. Um, Katie Perry, I know that you've also been listening. Um, we had a conversation the other day. She was pretty, she didn't know, she hadn't listened to the episode that we taught where we talked about us going on the road trip and maybe her and I having like a sing-along and recording it. She didn't know we, and we literally spent the entire road trip just talking. We were so busy talking that we never got to the sing-along. Um, so she texted me the other day and was like, oh, I'm so bummed that we didn't have the sing-along so that you could have recorded it. Um, but it's just like really neat that like that this, that people are listening um, and that people are taking the time out of their day to, to do that. And it just, it really means a lot. Um, and to, to give us that feedback or give us ideas about topics or, you know, to, to be concerned and, and caring enough to want to, um, to uh, review and really help the podcast along. So ways that you can do that. I know that you can review on Apple podcasts. I don't know other ways to review, but when we post things on Facebook, it's really helpful to comment um, or like those things to help kind of get that going. Um, and of course we have the Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, that sort of thing. So, so anyways, just from my heart, I just want to say, if you're listening to this right now, it means a lot. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And, and a couple of other notable names are Karen, uh, uh, Karen Romero, yeah. sorry, Karen Romero. <laughs> very Kathleen. notable. I said her name a million times. <laughs> Karen Romero, uh, Kathleen McNamma, and uh, Misha Watkins, uh, who is my sister, uh, who has started listening to it. She's like, oh my gosh, you're smart, Jeremy. When did you get smart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this might give people a whole other kind of um, kind of view of, of either one of us, you know, I think. Um, so, so yeah, it's just really neat that people are listening to it and, and giving us the feedback. And I'm glad that it's been um, it sounds like it's, uh, you know, a little point of lightness for people during what is, you know, a pretty challenging time. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and this week, we're going to be talking about relationship maturity. Now, just to introdu introduce this topic here, what I find in the couple's work that I am doing, and generally, I tend to find this much more commonly in younger couples is that we have been raised on a steady diet of happily ever after. And we've been raised on this uh, uh, idea through the music that we listen to, through the, the uh, stories that we read, and through the 
movies that we watch of really covering love in terms of the attraction stage. And, you know, I think a good example of that is the movie Titanic, where these two young people fall in is that unbelievable a of, of relationships. Well, I, what's I'll, that? I'll let you finish your sentence, but is Titanic really a great example? Is that what we're all striving for? Well, th this idea that this, the, this woman, Rose, fell in love with a guy for 48 hours and is still dreaming about him uh, yeah. like, like 70 years later. Uh, you know, this, this idea that, that um, the attraction stage really is the relationship. Uh, but I, I think that there's a real interesting point in there of like, she met him on, number one, she was on vacation. She was on a cruise ship. Yep. Um, and number two, they knew each other for 48 hours and then he died. And then she was able to like, romanticize that relationship for the rest of her life and kind of lean on that as like what it would have been. And, and we really are able to, um, you know, perfect that if, if Jesse weren't here, if my husband weren't here, then he's never going to do anything wrong. Right. Like it's always going to be the perfect relationship. So, so yeah, I guess I hear what you're saying around that, that like, sure. You might've met some guy or like in parks and rec, um, you know, Leslie's Leslie's mom met this guy, you know, lifeguard when she was on vacation and then they go back and find him like 40 years later. And it's, uh, John, Oh, what's his last name? He was on night court anyway <laughs> and he's just like kind of a mess like he's a real mess and he shows up and he wants to marry her and she's like no <laughs> that's uh, beautiful you know so that's kind of the opposite of that of like what if you really did run into that summertime love you know 40 years later it probably wouldn't be what you thought it would but that is what hollywood gives us you know in the disney movies that sort of thing we see up until the point where it's all about the courtship and the excitement and then meh, like what happens after that well, and, and, and no discussion of Titanic would be complete without the acknowledgement that, listen, Rose, Jack could have fit on that door. Okay, we all know it. Know. All right. Uh, but it, it's, it's a good jumping off point to exactly what it is that you're talking about, which, which is that there, that first stage of love is infatuation and, and it's good and, and it's important. It's foundational to a relationship. It forms a lot of the bonds that we all enjoy, but there are stages beyond that where the book ends and goes happily ever after, and it does get more difficult and it changes. Uh, and, and the, the, the problem that I, I see in couples is they start to, they start to fall into the next stage of a relationship and they go, I don't know if this normal if this is normal. Are we having problems? I feel bored. I don't know if are we still in love? I feel like a roommate. Yeah. You know, yeah. these sorts of, of conversations. And so it it really does take number one, a lot of normalizing because yes, it, it does feel different in the second, third, fourth stages of a relationship, of a, of a marriage, of a long-term thing. Right. So because if you only have five minutes to listen to this podcast, the answer is yes, that's normal. Yeah. Right. And you can go on with your day. If you'd <laughs> like to stick around and listen to a little bit more, um, we can certainly do that. But I think, um, I think that there's a lot to that. And I think that sometimes when we are born in our relationships, that again, we begin fantasizing about that lifeguard from, you know, that we met when we were 20 and, and, and that relationship can never will never have the same flaws. And I think 
that it's also normal for our relationship to have flaws, to have, you know, challenging times and down times and things that we don't necessarily agree on. You know, I, I just, I feel like we don't really talk about that um, as a society. And by the way, it was John Larroquette um, who was on Night Court who played, anyway. Um, Glad you sealed that up. Yeah, that's what I was looking that up as you were talking. Um, Glad on that interesting. <laughs> knew that you would hold your own, Jeremy. If if I know anything about you, I know that you can keep on talking. Um, ouch. That's not an ouch. <laughs> it's just the truth. Um, so yeah, but I think that that's that's an important um, an important thing to normalize is that the relationship doesn't always feel exciting. Um, that we have challenges. That we have disagreements. Um, that we may not agree on everything. That we may change over time in ways that are surprising. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, you know, what we really want to talk about is so, so then what, you know, so what do we do with that? Um, and what's important to keep the relationship moving forward in a positive direction, right? Yes. Uh, and rhetorically, I, I see this teeter totter between the idea of are we bored or are we taking relational predictability and calling it boredom? Because mm -hmm. relational predictability can be really, really good. It, it, it can also be an obstruction to feeling connection if things get too predictable, because one of the things that I really wanted to talk to uh, talk at today really is the idea of becoming too comfortable in a relationship. Now, these next stages of a relationship, when we are thoroughly on the path of we, we love each other, we're in this committed relationship, we are, are either living together or we are married. It's, it's, a, it's really a, a thing. We're uh, living, uh, living this long-term uh, commitment to one another. And there is some level of comfort that is going to naturally develop in that. And so what um, I find is kind of the, the enemy of really transcending in, this in a relationship is uh, one or both getting too comfortable in the idea of the predictability. The predictability is good, but what am I talking about when I'm talking about um, getting too comfortable? It is just the reliance on everything is fine and we don't have to continue working at this. The thing is that the work becomes a little bit less natural when you get out of the um, the, the the lightning stage uh, and the attraction stage of the relationship, and it takes making sure that you've got you know for instance like a, a game night or you've got a you know uh, uh, Wednesday is sexy time, uh, Thursday is game night, Friday night is with friends. These different things so that there is a constant working uh, on making sure that there are bonding times between the, the two of you uh, as you go forward. I, and are you finding that in the individual work that you do with people that are talking about their relationships? Yeah, I mean, I think that that having some kind of a structure, especially now, if, if like both of you are working from home, I think that having some kind of a structure um, can be really useful. And so I know um, you know, for some couples, it's that time in the morning. For some couples, it's like sitting down after work. Some couples, it's, you know, once the kids go to bed, sitting down together and talking, um, but really setting aside some time um, and not making assumptions, not just assuming um, that your partner is happy um, in your sex life or enjoying their job or really kind of continuing to be curious. Um, 
with their partner and, and curious with themselves. Um, I think that we can get into our relationship and kind of be, just begin to shut down and just go on, on auto, um, you know, and doing, still doing things, thoughtful things. You know, I think you've mentioned like, you know, thoughtful, whatever the love language is. So whether it's a gift or whether it's an act of service or, you know, whatever that is, but just being thoughtful um, with your partner um, and, and really trying to do things that are a little out of the norm. You know, Jesse, my husband doesn't really believe much in birthdays or holidays. He's just not big, you know, for him, it's like, well, it's just another day of the year. And yet, you know, for my birthday this year, he really did surprise me. Um, and that really meant a lot to me, um, because I know that he was doing that for me, you know, so it's not about what's important to you all the time. It is about what's important to us or what's important to your partner. As you're talking, I was uh, thinking about the, the thing that you said at the beginning here, when you're talking about <laughs> us being uh, a, a really at home, working at home, this kind of COVID situation that we're all in. And I got to call myself out on this. I, I, have, I have a lot of work responsibilities right now that tend to go all day and all night. And the problem that I know that I'm having is, is work intrusion yeah. into personal time. And I'm really bad at it because all day long I sit here and I stare at my computers and I'm on it, on it, all getting back to people and all these different things. And I have a hard time after work going upstairs and being truly in the moment because my brain is always going, did somebody uh, return my email? What's this text and everything like that? And I realize that I, I really need to turn my phone on do not disturb for at least a period of time so that I can focus on that relationship without constantly thinking about what's going on on my phone because it's corrosive, because it, it, it portrays to your partner that your work is more important than paying attention to them. I, I know that I, I, I tend to, to do that a, a great deal. And it's, it's another thing in that building of trust and loyalty part of your relationship that goes on years and years and years. It, it's corrosive when the constant message that you're giving to the other person is that your work continues to be a priority late into the night. Well, and it's also just, you know, I, I'm, I was working with someone who, um, who just became so overwhelmed and so stressed at hearing that, of hearing the constant emails coming in and being expected to respond to those in the corporate environment that he was in. Um, and my suggestion of like, then just turn it off wasn't really possible. And so, um, so in his case, he's actually looking, looking at potentially finding a different job. Um, because it's just, if, if your corporate culture is that you are expected to be available all the time, you know, that's one thing. If you're doing that to yourself, then there is something totally doable there that you could just turn that off and disconnect from that. You know, it's, it's I was literally just thinking I had to run to the dentist this morning and on my way back, um, I was getting back into kind of work mode and thinking about, you know, scheduling. And, and I was thinking, well, I could schedule, you know, I know it'd be easier for some folks if I scheduled them on a Sunday, you know, that sort of thing. And what the heck, like I'm working from home, but I, you know, I'd like to have some time off, you know, I'd like to have some days where I'm not working over the Thanksgiving break. I literally took several days away from my computer. Usually I'm, I really value um, quick responses and being able to get back to people really quickly, but I took several days away from my computer and I really came back Monday feeling, huh, feeling refreshed and ready to go and ready to be present with my clients. Um, so I think that it's important 
whether that means I know like this weekend, I know I'm, I need to set aside a little bit of time. I've been busy this week and I need to set aside some time to work. Um, but that's different than con just constantly being connected and not being present with your partner. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to guard my weekends as well. Uh, for that reason, because my my brain needs to shut off, and yeah. it feels good to, you know, spend that time uh, with Sherry, and and so you know what what I what I'm really working with a lot of couples on right now is the idea of okay okay great we're we're out of this attraction stage. Uh, thing. How do we keep this thing together? What are the elements of a successful relationship? How do we build trust? How do we build commitment? How do we build loyalty? And all these different things. And what I'm working with these couples on is stuff that I've seen that has been really helpful for people in the, uh, in the past is the couple that has understood goals is the couple that tends to gel together better because those bigger goals tend to create the things that you're doing together on the smaller side to, to, to reach those goals and objectives. Sometimes the goals can be at the end of the year, we want to go on a vacation to France and we want to see this thing and that thing and the planning of it as a project that the two of you work together. I'd like to go to this castle. I'd like to see this museum. I'd like to go to this, this uh, cafe. Uh, or, or whatever it is. I, I, I have another couple that they have a classic car that they've had sitting in their garage that has been their dream for a really long period of time. Everything, a lot of things get in the way of that. And they both really want to work on this thing together. And they have this wonderful knowledge and ability to do it. And it's a beautiful thing because the two of them have these wonderful skills to be able to do this thing together and they love doing it, but other things kind of get in the way. And so really giving yourselves an understanding of what are your goals? What are your small goals? What are your big goals? And how can you work on something together? Do you have no goals right now? Because a project worked on together is something that is fun and it, it creates the, the it, it puts together the, the innovation and the creative energy of how the two of you come together to build something. And I mean, that's, that's ideal. Um, I think that some couples, like we've talked about before, I also just want to normalize that, um, that if your, your husband or wife wants to go work on a classic car and you are just not interested in that, that it is absolutely okay to say, I'm just not interested in that, right? That we can support our partners. Um, you know, my husband enjoys mountain biking. I don't. Um, it's it's still an important part of his life, and I don't try to hold him back from doing that. Um, I think sometimes where we struggle is like finding that time for each other, and also finding time for ourselves and our own interests, because our interests are pretty diverse from each other. Um, and so, if it's if you can have a project to work on together, that's wonderful. Um, even if that's you know just playing video games together or playing board games together. Um, or enjoying going on walks together um, and then allow, okay, you know, go work on your car and I'm going to go do my cross stitch and, and that's what you do. Um, so I think that normalizing that as well, that you may have separate interests and it is absolutely okay for you to not be interested in what your partner, you know, loves to do. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the games thing because I've, I have found that, that couples really do enjoy, you can get those um, uh, old uh, um, Nintendo game console uh, things for like 80 bucks. Yeah. 
you know, and there are these stupid old games from like the mid 1990s that we all played when we were kids and stuff like that. But they're so simple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they create laughter, they create a shared experience. And, you know, some of these games these days, you've got like 20 different buttons on this thing. And, and it, it you know, it makes you dizzy when you look at the screen. I okay. Know. Old man. I know that's exactly what I was going to say. I feel really old, but that I get dizzy when I look at the screen with the kids and everything, but the, the simple games. The yeah. That was one of the things Jesse and I actually, we met and we lived about an hour apart from each other. Um, and so we both had an X. Ex- well, actually, I got an Xbox so that we could play online together. So we played video games together um, online. And I even, you know, like when his kids were home, like we would all play together, but I'd be, you know, where I was and they would be where they were. Um, and we still do. We still play, you know, we're big um, Borderlands fans and we still play that together um, and with friends as well who, who don't live here. So so, but absolutely. Yes. Like it can, it can be, or if, even if it's just like, we thought about getting one of those kind of the old Nintendo and kind of playing some of those games, whatever works for you, you know, or if it's a board game or, you know, whatever that is, I think that's, and we kind of talked about, maybe that's a conversation to have in the next podcast. Um, and maybe I'll post something, um, online asking like what do couples do for fun together? You know, I think, um, it'd be really interesting to hear that. So, so I might post that on our Facebook page and, and ask for some suggestions of what else people are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing can be, you know, home decor, working on home decor together, everything from like painting walls mm-hmm. to uh, making a project of wall, making it artistic, looking up, what do you want this room to feel like? And, and yeah. working on that project together, it's, it's, it's small. It doesn't, it's not that expensive. And it's something that you can both be engaged in together. Um, even though removing wallpaper from a wall generally makes couples want to murder one another. Don't do that. Uh, but, but painting a wall and, and p- figuring out the pictures and textures and everything like that can be a really fun thing to engage in together. It's very grounding. I think it's important to have things that we can um, look at and say, you know, that's one of the things I, we're, we're renting right now and we love our home. Um, but I do love, you know, being able to, there've been some small things that we've, we've done and updated. And it's nice to be able to say, you know, we picked out that toilet together or, you know, like we made these choices together. Um, I think is is really fun. And it's really nice to see that like we decorated the guest room together. Um, and, and it's just that that can be really grounding. It's really nice to walk into your home and to be able to see us, you know, reflected there. The, the other thing that I really do recommend that couples do together when they're at this stage, because there is uh, at this stage, a shared budget of some sort. Um, and there's a, a book out there right now called You Need a Budget. And it has an associated uh, um, computer program that goes along with it where you can, in essence, budget every single dollar that you have and spend. Um, and it, it, uh, Sherry has spent uh, tons and tons of time setting up this whole thing for us so that we understand what's coming in and going out. And it really is kind of amazing how much you don't pay attention to that right. unless you're actually looking at every dollar. And, and it, it increases your discipline. It decreases the um, uh, the, the financial stress that you have, because the likelihood is you, you probably do have the money eventually to do the thing that you want, like a shower remodel or, you know, save the money for a new car or, or, you know, new tires on your car, these different things. 
but if you, you know, if, if you go out and you don't have a budget, you do tend to overspend on things. And so getting or together also feel anxious about that. Like if you don't really know, I mean, we have just yeah. a very simple like Excel, like, I, I mean, it's a spreadsheet, but it's really just a list, like a list of every bill and the date that it typically, you know, that is due. Um, so that Jesse handles all of our finances. Um, you know, so I know out of every, we know out of every paycheck, like how much of that needs to go to bills and how much is left over. Um, and sure, you know, I think that paying attention to the leftover is just as important as paying attention to, to the bills piece. Um, but even just having a, ba if you don't have any kind of budget, having a basic spreadsheet that just lists like, you know, everything from rent to PG&E and the car payments, whatever that is, so that you know how much, you know, is going to be left over. Um, and it's just a little relieving, but it's, you know, and we all talk about things differently and we all handle things differently. Um, and I think what I've been hearing from clients is that oftentimes I hear that clients are talking with their friends or they're talking with other couples and they're getting advice and then they start judging like, well, that's not how we do it or that, you know, that sort of thing. And I think that, I don't know, part of me kind of wants to say like, stop taking advice from other people. Like we all do things so differently when it comes to relationships, um, especially newly in relationships, like, oh, don't text him or, you know, you should be playing the game. Um, that's why I was just having that conversation this morning that sometimes getting relationship advice from people who, who approach relationships in a very different way from you may not actually be that useful, you know? Yeah. I, I, often at dinner parties or what have you, yeah. which I, I'm not going to because it's COVID no. and we don't dinner together. I miss um, dinner so much. I know, me too. Yeah. Um, I, I tend to get asked um, from, from people just in casual conversation, well, what do you think about this thing? And the question always becomes, what are the values of the couple? Like, right. what does the couple want? What does the couple feel about this? You know, but I think it can be just very different. You know, it yeah. can be very, that you guys handle your budget one way, we handle ours another way. I know some people who don't even share money really, right? And it's just like, it, okay, if that works for you, then it works for you. Um, and it certainly does. The way that we handle our finances, I know is very different than, than what most folks do. Like we, we kind of threw in together pretty early in our relationship. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Luckily it worked out, um, you know, but, but I think that just kind of paying attention to that, that is great. Like I would much prefer, I love having conversations about, well, how do you guys handle money? Um, but doing that much more from um, what we call kind of the observer mindset um, of just being able to stand back and look at that um, without judgment, you know, internal judgment or <laughs> judgment of others, which we all love to do. Um, but just being able to observe and see like, oh, you know, is there anything that you could take from that that might work for you? Or is it just an interesting reflection of how different, you know, couples are, but certainly not walking away with that internal judgment of we don't stack up or we're not doing things that way. And so that must be wrong. And, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. To keep things really as non-specific as possible here, because I mean, you're right. There's no one fit, one size fits all advice here or anything. Right, right. And, and as you're in the uh, commitment and loyalty kind of stage, the, the question for me always is, okay, you have all these wonderful things that each of you do. Uh, what is the thing that you carved out that you're doing together? Uh, what, what, how, how, how is that? Is it, is it goals? Is it a mission? Is it, uh, can, can you even answer that question? Um, right. And usually like what you're talking about here, he, he's got the mountain biking thing. Um, you know, 
I love great music like dream theater and Sherry has no taste and doesn't like dream theater, you know, like these sorts of things. Uh -huh. And that's okay. Um, but the, the, the thing is we, there's, there's so much that we do enjoy together and it, and it's about making sure, can you actually identify, can the both of you independently identify what is the, the, the two of you do together? Because that thing is one of the pieces of the glue that keeps you together and that keeps you uh, um, moving forward. When you find couples that don't have that thing and are truly living what you would kind of define as a, um, roommate lifestyle if you, uh, you that, that is totally separate mm -hmm. that is a stage where love tends to struggle and and connectedness tends to struggle and so uh you know if if really honestly the two of you the thing that you do together is that you binge watch a certain show every night you watch it and you talk about it uh you know and i can't believe that person did this and that uh, that's fine um and, and that, that can be the thing, uh, interactive things like the games is a, is a great thing too. Uh, but there should be an understanding between the two uh, that there is a thing that, that, that really glues the two of you together that you enjoy doing together. And if one or the uh, other one says, I'm not really interested in doing that, then there might be an issue that you want to kind of check into uh, be, because what is it that you, the two of you engage in together? What, what, are the, what positive activities? Well, and so I think one of the things that, that does make us different from roommates, hopefully, um, that we engage in is sex, you know, or intimacy at least. And so um, I think that at a certain point in our relationship, you know, um, that we can, that um, sex, sex drive comes and goes, especially, you know, I, I work with, um, with women who are, who are new mothers or young mothers and, you know, sex drive may come and go with that or sex drive changes as we grow older. Um, and so those sorts of things come and go. Um, and it has been something that as a society, we've really been taught not to talk about, um, you know, certainly, or, you know, our bodies change, um, our sexual performance might change. Um, and so those are things that though that we've been taught not to talk about. And so I think that as a couple, it's really important to have that safe space um, to talk about not only like, what do you want, um, really leaving space to explore maybe um, new adventures or new new things that you haven't really talked about yet. Um, and also for exploring, you know, I'm noticing this about my body or, you know, gosh, I just I haven't you know, I've been so, I've been working so hard. I've just been so tired or, you know, re but really not just ignoring it, not just allowing, you know, day by day to slip by. And suddenly it's been months since you've had sex and maybe one partner is feeling guilty about that. Or one partner is feeling frustrated with that, but, but we're not really talking about it. So I think that that's a really important part, especially as our relationships grow older, it can mean that we learn more about each other and we get to be more intimate um, or it could mean that we kind of lean back into to kind of ignoring that because it's uncomfortable and we've just never been taught how to talk about it. Really, really good aspect on this, uh, Carolyn, because I, I've worked with a lot of couples where there might be some sort of a performance issue mm -hmm. um, in, in the, the sexual relationship. Which and is much more common than any of us ever talk about. For sure. Yeah. For sure it is. Uh, and and the, the the shame surrounding it leads one or the other to just kind of avoid it and so that they don't have to talk about it. 
And honestly, it could be as simple as a thyroid issue. Right. Um, you know, it, it can be as, as simple as just not feeling safe with some aspect or feeling like maybe you don't feel like you're very good at it uh, and, and you need more feedback from the other person. But when the, those sorts of things tend to uh, last for a long period of time without being addressed or talked about, then uh, a mythology tends to form around it. He's not attracted to me. He doesn't want to touch me. He thinks that I don't look nice, uh, or 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 she thinks that you know I'm I'm not good at what I do, or she, she's had better partners than me, uh, and and I I'm kind of inadequate about that, or or there's all sorts of reasons why there's there's some inadequacy that's attached to these things. It's interesting that your reflection, and I'm not saying that you're wrong, but it's interesting that your reflection is that women women likely feel. Um, uncomfortable with their their image, which is a very societal standard, and that men might feel uncomfortable with their performance. Um, I don't know. That just struck me that 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 may be absolutely the case. But you're right. We do start telling ourselves stories versus again just talking with our partners. Um, and I think that it's really important to be curious there and to. It can be easy to become become from coming from a place like behind the castle walls, kind of a very defended place. Um, where we make assumptions or we're kind of throwing arrows over the wall at our partner. Um, you know, I hear from people that, you know, their partners will make snide comments about, you know, the fact that we're not having sex versus just saying like, hey, like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of curious, like, how, like, how are you? Like, what's going on? I've noticed that we haven't had sex in a couple of weeks. Is there something that's happened? Is there, you know, of really being curious versus dropping those like passive aggressive comments of, of, you know, well, it's not like we're going to have sex, you know, that is not going to serve you and certainly won't get you what you want. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I kind of to bring it back to, uh, if it's been a really long time, what is the issue? Right. Um, is but we have to be curious about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? it, it is it, it like, it could be, is it a medical issue and is it, uh, you know, what we of course don't want it to be. Is there another person involved? Um, mm -hmm. Is there, uh, you know, an overindulgence in pornography? Uh, is there, um, you know, or, or is there an actual problem where one person doesn't feel some sense of safety or warmth in engagement with the other person? But it certainly needs to be a conversation because that is uh, pretty fundamental to an, a long-term relationship that there is that kind of closeness. And I think that shame, you know, shame is really one that will trip us up a lot of really getting stuck to our own story about shame, about, about our bodies or our performance or maybe what we want. If there's something that we want sexually that, that we feel that we've been taught to feel shame around or that we, you know, that we don't feel comfortable talking with our partner about, um, and then if our partners do bring some of those things to us, that it's okay to say no, it's okay to set boundaries. Um, you know, but if your partner has a certain, you know, interest and your response is shock or, you know, or shaming that that could be really, really tough for them to then ever really bring anything to you. Um, so like I said, totally okay to say, you know, to say, I'm not co really comfortable doing that. Um, or let's talk about that some more. Um, let's learn about that together some more. Um, you know, versus really shaming our partners. Um, but that that line of communication, I just think as it's like, we've just been taught not to talk about it. Um, you know, even as a couple, even in our bedrooms, we've been taught not to talk about it, that we should feel shame about that. Um, and I just think that that's really unfortunate. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I definitely do too. Um, and unfortunately, this conversation is going really well, but we have got to wrap up another episode of the Weenus podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Um, and, you know, please leave a review uh, where you've listened to this and uh, hope that everybody has a, a safe and healthy holiday season as it comes uh, and that we're all able to adjust to the various different kind of expectations and shutdowns and all the changes that there are this year as opposed to any other um, holiday season that we've dealt with in our lifetimes. It's, it's really yeah. I different. mean, I think it brings us the opportunity to really challenge that idea of what we have to do or should be doing for, you know, like how many times have people like, Oh, I have to go to this family gathering or that thing. Or, you know, I think it's, I've been, and with all the clients I've been talking to, it's actually been kind of nice to slow down and, and be quiet, more quiet and more, more home-based, you know, yeah. than we typically are. And so I know it can be really challenging if you're living on your own, that can be particularly challenging. So I, I absolutely understand it's not a wonderful opportunity for everyone. Um, but I think it, it can be nice at times to be, to really challenge the norm um, and to take a look at that. So, so absolutely. And hopefully we'll, we'll have time to get together and maybe do a fun, a fun podcast around fun things to do while we're at home over the holiday season together. Um, but again, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. We really do appreciate your time. Um, and we'll catch you on the flippity flip. Absolutely. Take care and have a wonderful week. All righty.